Welcome to Beautifully Bloomed, the podcast where we explore how to break you out of the box of rules and beliefs that are holding you back from the life you are meant to live. I'm your host, Rebecca Turville. Join me as I share mindset tools, coaching conversations, and human design to help you uncover your unique gifts and create the life, relationships, and business you desire. Hi, Tavana. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am so excited to take on this conversation with you, Rebecca. Yay. Yeah. So before I start, I just want to let the audience know that you and I know each other from the Life Coach School, right? You were a Life Coach School coach. And last year, when I started getting into human design, we talked about me coming into your program. And then I did some work with your clients, right? That's how we kind of, you you got curious. (laughs) You got curious about human design too. (laughs) So that's Oh yeah. And down the rabbit hole I went. (laughs) It's perfectly normal for a five one to go down the rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) But just a little bit, just enough to be able to be competent and know what I'm talking about. I don't need to know all the things and then go get certified or anything. Yeah, that's awesome. So I thought it would be fun because I am having these conversations this year in 2022 about religion and about conditioning and about any kind of religious transitions. And you reached out to me because I put this thing out like, hey, does anybody want to talk? And oh my goodness, the response. And I'm like, wow, this is a topic people want to talk about. And so this has been really fun. So I'm curious if you could just tell us a little bit of the background, like what religion did you grow up in? Like, let's start with that. Well, just as simply put, I was raised Baptist. And you asked Southern Baptist, regular Baptist. I'm like, I don't know. Baptist. It was just Baptist. <laughs> I'm curious, in, when you were growing up in this religion, were there certain rules that were expected for you to follow? Like, what were the rules or expectations? Well, of course, like the Ten Commandments and everything from the Bible. But I think the biggest one that I remember, it wasn't, I don't even know if it was like, a, a stated rule or not, but it was, and or I don't know if this was just like a mom rule or something, but I knew that you were not supposed to curse, use bad words. You weren't supposed to fornicate. You weren't supposed, I mean, you were like supposed to be in church. And those are really the main ones that stood out to me. Well, yeah, like it's sort of like the expectations, right? That's what I thought too, because I'm like, there's all these rules I have to follow. And people would be like, well, there's not really rules. I'm like, yes, but if I do something that's outside the quote rules, then you all look at me like I'm weird or I'm not really in church anymore. I don't believe I'm not a true believer. (laughs) It's like, you know, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a total thing because part of it is asking for forgiveness and praying for forgiveness and repenting and being baptized and all of these things. And I got to a point where I was like, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. And there are certain things that I'm just not ready to give up. So there's no real point in me asking for forgiveness for something that I know I'm going to do again. And there were two things that happened. It became this this tug of war in my mind of like, do I go against my own nature and what I want to do for these rules that I can't find anywhere in this Bible that I'm supposed to be reading? And I can't quite see why these things are so bad. Like, and do I ask for forgiveness for these things, knowing that I'm going to do it again. So like, it doesn't even make sense to ask for forgiveness or do I just walk away? And I think I had 
that going on in my mind. And I also had this time where I studied religion. I studied mythology in AP Advanced Placement English. And I started to see that there were a lot of similarities. Like when I was studying mythology and I'm like, wait a minute, this story sounds very much like in the children's Bible book that I read. Or when I took world religion and I started learning about other religions and I'm like, wait a minute, they're all kind of saying, all of these deities are kind of saying the same thing but they just have different names or they just have slightly different rules or procedures or whatever. And so that was really uh, what puts a kink in my faith, if you will, or belief that there was only one way. Not that it put a kink in my faith and my belief in a a deity or a higher power or, or power outside of myself, but that there was only one correct religion. And so that's kind of what started to happen to me. Yeah. So you were raised where the message was, this is the right way that you come here and you act this way. And we're the ones who are going to heaven with those other Uh, people over there. No. (laughs) Right. Right. And I remember having a conversation with one of my parents and I was like, But what about the people that live in the Amazon who've never been exposed to any conquistadors or anybody that has brought the religion to them? And then they would just be like, no, the Bible says that it will be made known to everyone and that you should accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then and I'm like, just part of that never sat well with me. It just didn't feel right. And so that's kind of where I was just like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how yours was, but in our church community, it was really recommended or really looked down upon if you went and got friends and married outside the church and any of that, like stay in this community because this is the safest place for you. Because if you go be friends with people outside or you find a spouse, you're going to be led astray. Like you're going to be off the straight and narrow path. (laughs) Like the devil's going to visit you. I don't know. Right. Like the weirdest. (laughs) Um, It's so interesting. Thankfully, I think the church that I was raised in was a little bit more relaxed than that, a little more open. Um, I'm partially watching this show called My Unorthodox Life. And I didn't really realize the Jewish community was so like tight like that and just stay in here and learn from here. But I wasn't raised that way. You could date other people from other denominations. There wasn't. Oh, oh, you can. However, it is so bad. Like it's just so frowned upon. So yeah, it's interesting because so what you said, that just really speaks to me because I had the same experience. I'm like, how can our little church, our little religion, which is a part, it's apostolic Lutheran was what I grew up in. So it's, but it's only this one spark. Like there's all these other apostolic Lutheran churches. They're not the right way. Right. So none of that. It's just us, our little, you know, (laughs) we're the ones. And I'm like, that that just never felt I'm like out of 7 billion people or whatever in the world are one little spot with, I don't know, we probably have a few thousand, I suppose. Like if we look at the different congregations, maybe how is that? And, and then, like you said, starting to look at other religions. So I would be like, why does that branch of church believe that women can never cut their hair? They have to wear skirts. Blah. These are the rules they follow. 
And why do we believe you can't ever wear makeup? There's no earrings and you're not allowed to have nail polish. Now we believe that's sinful. But then there's these other people over here. They can wear all the makeup they want, except they have to wear these undergarments to go to temple. You know, like what? Yeah. All these different things. And it just, to me, I was like, what, what is going on? Who made up the rules? If we're all looking at the Bible, where are, where are Right, because you were even differentiating between the different, types of Lutheran churches and everybody that was looking at the Bible, forget people that are looking at the Tehran and all these other religious scripts. So that that is so fascinating to me. I never even thought about it like that. I think for me, I just got tired of the pomp and circumstance and just like all of the, the procedures and the hierarchy. And my grandmother's family is from a different church. Like there is a very specific hierarchy. And in that, whenever we would go to her church, I would just be like, what in the world is happening in this church? It felt very much like the men were praised. And I was like, well, wait a minute there shall be no gods other than me. What happened to that part in the Bible? You know, so it was just very interesting to see even from the the church that my mom was raised in versus the one that I was raised in and then going back to church when we would go to visit my grandma. Well, the other question I was wondering, well, what age were you when you decided I'm done? I'm not going to go back. Like what age was that? Well, I went back and forth because I went through college and that's when I studied the religion. And that's when I started thinking, okay, there's something going on here. And then I went and got like really into church again after I got out of college. And I don't even remember the story behind it, but I think what I was craving more than anything was community and being with people. Right. And, and looking at how tightly knit this particular community was and the friendships and and just praying together and having people looking out for me. And so I think that's why I went into the religion there. And for me, at least that particular church was way more laid back. The pastors weren't on a super pedestal. They wore regular people clothes. They weren't all like blinged out and, uh, you know, driving the fancy cars and like we're, you know, so, I mean, I, I have money stories around that as well, but I really, really appreciated the community more than, than the rules and the religion. And so I think when I, and I don't even at this point remember when or how or why I stopped being a part of that. Oh, I do remember. It ended up being, for lack of a better way of saying this, is more like cultish to me in terms of that, you know, how you were talking about you had to stay within the community and all that, like people were getting married within the community. It was very much like they were really serious about not having sex before marriage. So we would see people go on these supervised dates and so that everything stayed pure and all of this other stuff. But people were getting married super quickly so that they wouldn't break the no fornication rule. And so I was just like, uh, I don't know that that works for me either. So, yes, well, that is so interesting that you say that because so few things you said. So community is one really hard reason why you don't want to leave. Right. It's like, I don't want to lose my community. 
like this is the community I grew up in. We did all the things together. We went to confirmation together, Sunday school together. I don't know. We've had all the things. We have a kids group that gets to get right. Like all the things that keep you attached to the church is like, here's where my community is. I don't really know much outside the community. My whole family, my dad's whole family, my husband, his whole family, like we're all in the community. Now, if you leave the community, I know because I've experienced 50 years worth of people leaving. And I know what happens to them because on the inside, I'm on the inside seeing what people are saying about the people who left, right? It's like being banished. You know, if you've ever studied the Amish, where they actually shun people, that can be what it's like, the shunning. <laughs> it's like a shunning. And it feels sad and terrible. It breaks families apart. And there's so much judgment, right? There's so much judgment and guilt and shame. And it just feels like, you know, like you just don't want to face that. So then you just stay in no matter if you believe or not. <laughs> you know, it's like you, like you pretend, you know, that's exactly what happens with me. I pretended for, I don't know how many years I pretended for now. Let's see, <laughs> you know, so it's just sad. So how did you, what made you eventually leave? Well, COVID happened. And I was like, oh, I don't have to go. Like, literally, there's a good excuse to not go to church. So I stayed home. And then as I stayed home, I think the longer you stay home and you don't go on a Sunday, you think, this is fine. I can do this. I can, you know, you kind of gain some of your own not being in the community all the time, you gain some of your own perspective again. It gives you space. It gave me space to think about it and to read more stuff and to watch more ex-Mormon videos. <laughs> I got really into ex-Mormon videos because I feel some of the same things they feel. I mean, it gave me a different perspective of like, oh, there's other people that feel the same way. There's other churches that have kind of, quote, ridiculous rules or practices or what some people would call traditions because it's not listed in the 10 commandments, right? Thou shalt not wear earrings. Thou shalt not dance. Thou shalt not go to the movies. It's not listed there. You know what I mean? Thou shalt not drink alcohol. None of that is listed in the 10 commandments. However, there's so much guilt and shame. If you don't follow these rules and these traditions and these ways of behaving, like you're, you know, and, and I never really liked watching how some of the people inside the church talked down on or looked down on people who were outside of the church. And part of the reason why that bothered me so much is because I was there and I would see how some of them would behave. But it was almost like because they went to church on Sunday that absolved them from. It's okay. Right. But you're in the church, but this person is doing uh, like they're being a good human being, but they just don't go to church. And so they're damned to hell, but you do everything Monday through Saturday. And then on Sunday you're in church. So you're okay. That part just always bothered me. And it's, it's like when, what I was seeing too, is people who didn't ever come to our church, but they were super moral and nice people. They had good lives. They were family people. See, See, I think what people think, is when you're not in our church, then you're going to like start being an alcoholic. You're going to start, you know, sleeping around on your spouse or something. You're going to get a divorce. I don't know. You're going to be really unhappy. (laughs) There's something that's going to happen. And I'm like, but I was seeing there's all these people outside of our religion. That's the right way. They're doing the wrong way, but 
they seem happy and they have families and they're married and they have kids and they seem to have happy families and they're not cheating on their spot. You know what I mean? Like they're not drunks and they're not cheating. Like, I was like, huh, you know, you can be happy with your own belief system. Right. And that I was like, it, it just, when you've been in it for so long, it's just really hard to extricate yourself. Yeah. I mean, just of all the conditioning. And I think that even in some ways affected me when I started to have my own business and really started to be visible and share some of my thoughts and ideas and, and really just be myself. Because I know we were talking about this before we pressed record in that one of the things that you just didn't do was say bad words or curse. I mean, I'm still not sure where that is in the Bible, but in any case, (laughs) (laughs) right. But it was definitely something that I saw people doing. I heard people doing, but God forbid you, you say it in public, like, oh my gosh, you know? And so I just made a conscious decision that I'm going to be myself. I'm going to say things, how I see things. I'm going to be just like how I really am in real life, because I don't want to put on this mask and attract people to me by being one way. But then when you get to know me more, or I feel more safe or comfortable around you, or let my guard down, then heaven forbid, I say a curse word. And then you're like, who is this person? You know? So it was really interesting because then of course I would have my mom say, uh, you could tone it down on the cursing or whatever from my podcast. And I'm like, but this is how I really talk. So why hide that? And why is that such a big deal? Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. I was going to ask you when you decided you were leaving, what did your family like? Did that cause any strife between you and your family or was it okay? Like they're just accepting of that. I, you know, I'm very fortunate in that my parents is very religious, not strict, but they're religious. And of course, you still hear me making references and I'll say, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus, and all kind of stuff, because <laughs> that's just the condition and that's how yeah. I was raised. But they've always been very supportive and very open. And sometimes I think about it and sometimes I'm like, who what will mom or dad think when they see this or they read this or whatever, but they they love me. And so I think that is, that has helped me more than anything to just step into who I am. And there was never for me, at least a grand exit, if you will, there wasn't like this big announcement, like, Oh, I'm, I'm leaving the church. You know, it kind of helped me like COVID helped you. I used to be a physical therapist and I worked in a hospital setting. And so I worked mostly weekends. And so from time to time, they would ask, well, when's the last time you've been to church or when you're going to church or whatever? And I'm like, uh, the hospital is my church because I'm there every weekend. Like literally I was working every weekend. So it was one of those things where I had a bit of an excuse or a reason to not go that was legitimate. And so then eventually they just kind of stopped asking. It's interesting that too. It's like one of my family members told me, that it's really important you being in church every Sunday. And like, like this was after our son died of suicide. So we had this, our 17 year old son, he died of suicide about 10 years ago, which is what prompted me to have a ton of questions, right? Because suicide is one of those things. Yep. Don't do that. Christians will tell you that it's a sin. You're going to hell. And I had to really grapple with this idea. And this is where my questioning started because I couldn't find the support within our church. But 
Yet our church is right. You're not supposed to go outside and look for help, right? Even so many people would look down on therapy. You know, they're not Christians. These therapists aren't Christians. So how, so when I become a life coach, guess what? It's like people are like, what are you doing? Like, how weird are you? You know, like all these things, the judgments. I, and it felt even uncomfortable to me even sometimes, but I'm like, no, that was like the opening for me to, really express who I am in a way that went against what I was taught to believe. So I think mine has been a cracking of the shell, like (laughs) from 10 years ago till, you know, it's like a little bit at a time. This is me a little bit at a time, finding out who I am, finding out who I am, trying to give a little more and show a little more. It's not easy though, right? Like it sounds like for you, maybe it was a little more for me. I haven't even told my parents yet in reality. So it'll be coming. (laughs) However, I'm waiting for the right timing, all that stuff. It feels like it does have to be. And I I thought about that too. I could just not show up and just go away and, you know, pretend it's all good. But then I don't feel like I'm being honest. How can you be authentic? Like, if you feel like you're hiding something, I don't want to hide anymore. I'm so tired of this. I've been wearing a mask for what? a long time. I think for a long time, I've started having doubts in high school. That was a long time ago. And I just like, no, this is the path. You know, you get married as soon as you can. So like you're talking about the purity culture, you shouldn't be having sex before marriage. That's for sure. So you better get married really young and start having babies right away. There's no, because right, that's the only reason sex there is, uh, exists, yeah. right? And there's no birth control. So you better have as many kids oh, as you can. <laughs> Yeah, right. Thankfully, that's not part, <laughs> but I'm not just, part of how I was raised. But I'm just saying that, see all of this stuff. I was like, I never believed that. In fact, so I had five pregnancies. Many of my friends have six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 children. You know, so none of them, I have four. None of them have four. They all have a, a bit more than that. So in that respect, I held my, held on to my, convictions about that. However, I always felt left out. Like I always felt like I'm weird. You know, it's like a race, right? How many kids can you have? Like, I don't know. It doesn't even make sense to me. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just really interesting how the different, and I just always think, well, how did, who came up with this stuff? Well, yes. Who said my only job as a woman is to have children, take care of my home and make sure my husband is well-fed and stuff like who says who said that's my only job as a woman and I always bucked against the system on that one you know girls or women weren't encouraged back when I was graduating from high school we weren't encouraged to go to college because we're going to find a husband yeah that was in 1988 we're going to find a husband but I went to college because my mother had gone to college and she felt it was important so at least she had a different view than a lot of the women you know, and I, I'm grateful for that. So I went to college and I, I did get a husband and got married because that's what you did. Like you didn't feel normal, you know, unless you did that. So my husband and I have talked a lot about that. He's like, you just married me because it was what you had to do. I'm like, no, <laughs> I know oh, it's, no. But it's hard for him not to think that, right? Because we've had a lot of religious discussions. Well, that's an interesting thing about the, like what you're supposed to do, because I'm 42 years old now, never been married, no kids. And people get, you know, suitors will ask like, why, well, wait a minute, you don't have any kids. Why don't you have any kids? And, and my response is always, 
because I've never been married, you know? And so for, for me, I guess that's one of the remnants of growing up in a religious household. That was one of the things that you just didn't do. You didn't have kids out of wedlock. So if we're talking about rules, I guess that's one of those ones. Exactly. You're not supposed to have kids out of wedlock. Like that's bad, but it's not like it doesn't happen because it does. It happens. All the things happen in all the religions, in my opinion, but they're just, shh, you don't talk about it. (laughs) It's just like swept under the rug. It's fine. We're all good. (laughs) Exactly. So if, if in your religion, it was more about like, don't worry about going to college, get a man and get married and have the babies and blah, blah, blah. What was it like for you to then, did you have a career after college or did you go to college? Well, I mean, and then I had a baby right away, right? Cause that's what you're supposed to do. There's no birth control. You just get pregnant right away. So I was like, I'm following the rules <laughs> and I did have a career. I did. I had a part-time career. I was a CPA. So I never had a full-time career really though. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I was so- the then it wasn't very well. I mean, I guess you did say it was kind of weird for you to become a life coach, but it wasn't weird for you to have a career. Tell me about that. No, my husband, here's the thing that's interesting about that story. So I remember when I first told my husband, I want to get a job. Like, you know, I had, we had the baby, we graduated from college. So I already had a baby. And then I wanted to get a job. And he was so worried about that. He called his mom. He's like, she wants to get a job. (laughs) Who is this alien I've married? (laughs) Well, I mean, but, you know, we hadn't really, I guess we hadn't really discussed that enough before I got married, but he was super concerned because was it right for me to, you know, have a babysitter and go work, you know, I had a baby, you know, I don't know. Anyways, and I just said, I'm going to go crazy. I'm a manifesting generator, so I can't just sit home and take care of a baby. It just wasn't working for me. I did try really hard, but it just, (laughs) I was bored out of my mind. So anyways, so no, I, and you know what is so interesting because since, so then I did, I went out and got a job and then we kept having kids, but he became really supportive of me working. Then he didn't care after that. In fact, then when I went to be a life coach, he was really supportive of that. But you know, now it's like, well, when are you going to support me so I can retire? So now he's totally flipped the script. He wants to just retire. So I'm so, so yes, we've been through the whole range of stuff, but not, I would say he is not the norm from our church. Most guys would be like, oh, that is unacceptable. Like, no, like, you you don't need a job. <laughs> and like and actually the funny thing is it holds me back as well. I think there's this deep-seated belief about money. The man earns the money, the man takes care of the family. So you know, and it has really been a roadblock in my way in me even having big goals about money. I'm like, I'm a woman. I'm not there's this deep-seated thing about me being a woman, where's my place in the world? What am I here to do? Right. It's the strangest thing that I've been dealing with myself. (laughs) Like, you know, but you know, I think that's, that's interesting that that story is there about you being a woman and what's supposed to happen and stuff like that. And, and I wonder, maybe it's a religious thing. Cause I think culturally, at least um, for those who can't see me, I'm black. And I, my mom raised me to be very independent. She was like, you always need to be able to take care of yourself, point blank and period. 
And so whether or not that was part of the religion, being able to sustain myself superseded whatever was taught in the religion. That was not taught to me. Not at all. My mom thought we needed to go to college and have a degree. There's something to fall back on. Kind of like that. Do you know what I mean? But it wasn't taught that, yeah, like in a strong way like that, you know, and then I learned about human design. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm designed this way. No wonder I've had these questions and doubts and, you know, I want to study all this stuff, but yet, you know, we were not encouraged to study outside of what we're being told at church. You don't go study on the side, right? Because now the devil's going to start talking to you or whatever's going to happen. It's going to be bad. (laughs) So, you know, just stay in the church and, and just listen to what they say. You don't need to go read the Bible by yourself or all of that. Right. But, but I had this super curiosity, like I'm a line one, like you are. Right. So I'm like, but what if I want to study religion? <laughs> so, well, wait a minute. They said you're not supposed to study by yourself. You're not supposed to read the Bible by yourself. Well, there were these women. I remember specifically, this was when I was in my 30s, probably. I remember this group of women that was getting together like once a week in the morning. There was just a small group, maybe three or four of them. They were reading the Bible by themselves. And I remember so many whispers about that oh my gosh, that's so terrible that they're doing that. Like, they're not going to understand what they're doing. They're going to like get off. They're going to take it wrong. I don't know all the things that, and I'm like, that was the judgment, you know, the judgment about what people want to do. I can't deal with that part. There's so, so much judgment about all the ways people behave or don't, they're not doing it right. They're not, you know, they're not in the boundaries. They're out of whatever. But that's so interesting because we have, (laughs) I was raised with, Bible study and Bible study Bibles, and you were well, right to read. Well, on you your can own. not really. We'd go to there was Bible class once a week. You go to Bible class and listen to the the leader who talks about whatever part of the Bible we're reading. You don't do it on your own unless you're the minister, maybe. Like the minister is getting words from God. I mean, that's fascinating to me. Just like, I mean, all of us are under the umbrella of Christianity. Both of us are under the umbrella of Christianity. But we, I was taught that we had to study and know the Bible and understand the Bible. And of course, there's Bible study and Sunday school and all of that stuff yeah. too. But yeah. you, you get your own understanding and wisdom and pray about it and stuff too. No, so I think that's really, that really is not how you do it. <laughs> no. You not no. It is not how you do it. I mean, <laughs> so wait a minute. So do you own your own Bible? I do. We, it's okay, a but, kind of Bible. Why, but why do you need to own a Bible I, if you're not allowed to read? But there was, here's the thing, Tavana, there's no rule that says you can't read it. However, you don't need to just believe your sins forgiven. Just have a childlike faith. Listen in church. Like you don't need to go study. That's what their knowledge doesn't mean anything. Knowledge isn't good, actually. So, yeah. Wait, but what was Wednesday? Wednesday wasn't Bible study. There was Bible. It was called Bible class. So all the families would go there and just, you know, they'd read some passages from the Bible and have a discussion about it. That's it. Then you have cookies and coffee. It was more of a get together in my mind than really delving into anything. But that is so (laughs) interesting to me because my dad will always be like, ah, can't think of how you rephrase it, but basically like a church where they're really about teaching you the Bible instead of just the whole 
you know, motivational speech kind of. Yeah. Um, you no, know, I mean, it's, yeah, that is that's an interesting topic. So what I want to say too, is I'm thinking that this is all from my perspective. So I don't know what other people would say who are, who grew up the same in the same time, maybe are the same age as me, whatever. I don't know what their perspective is on that. It's another thing. Like you don't really have conversations about this stuff. You just, it is how it is. Like I asked, I remember asking one time, why can't I go to a school dance? I wanted to go to a dance. I've wanted to dance my whole life. I'm not allowed to dance. It's sinful. I want to go to a dance. Well, you know, women and men, they didn't really have a good answer. So I never really got a good answer. So I stopped asking questions. I'm like, why do I even bother asking questions? There's no answers for them. Just believe, just have a childlike faith, you know, believe your sins forgiven and you're going to go to heaven. Okay. But if I wear nail polish to church, people are going to look at me funny. My mom and dad are going to really get mad at me. And I can't do that. Right. Like there was just the rules, <laughs> you know, and just, yeah, it drives me crazy. And I, I'm upset. I mean, now at this time in my life, I think about like having my kids grow up in the same environment because I didn't have the courage to be me. And to send, you know, and just to decide what I believed and then go do that. Instead, I felt compelled, I guess, to stay. I didn't know what else would be outside of it. Right. So it's difficult, you know. So how has going into coaching affected, would you say, your your belief or has it affected your belief? Oh, well, for one thing, I opened up to different perspectives. Like, you know how we're taught to hold space, right? For anything. Well, when my son died of suicide, so after, for first of all, a lot opened up to me after I had to research about suicide and depression and mental illness. And you know what I mean? Like all this stuff. And it's like, oh, so I think I opened up to a lot of perspective on why people are suffering and all of that. So that opened up to more because now I became a coach and I learned how to hold space for anything anybody was going through. Because like it felt to me like the worst thing you could ever go through is the suicide of your child. I couldn't think of anything worse. I was just like, this has got to be the worst thing, right? And so then people would tell me all kinds of stuff, right? I was just like a magnet for secrets. <laughs> it was just like, oh, do, you know, well, I, I didn't want to tell anybody else this, but you know what I mean? Like, and I, I just became open to, you know what? Humans are humans are humans. And why are we supposed to believe like in our church, for instance, why should I believe that I'm just a sin fallen person? If somebody needs to save me, like that is what could drive you to suicide. You're just so terrible. You're so bad. You're no good anyways. You know, Jesus needs to save you. You can't do anything good, right? Like, I don't know. I'm like, I want a better outlook on life. <laughs> like, let's be more positive. Like, no, actually, we're valuable people. As human beings, we're valuable. We're here for a purpose and a reason. And that's not what's preached. Not in our church. Maybe it is in other churches. Well, I think ours. it depends, right? Because yeah. I mean, it depends on, it just, it really just depends because yeah. there's the fire and brimstone churches. And then there are the, what I call the, uh, the money and motivational churches. And yeah. so you get a very ours, different. Yeah. I wouldn't say ours is either though. I don't think it's fire and brimstone. I've seen the fire and brimstone pastors. That's not us. (laughs) We're not, and you know, what is he doing? Like hitting the gavel or something? I don't know. It's like, yeah, (laughs) we don't do that. So it's not a lot of show, but it really is a thing about you should feel very sad and very poor and very, you know, 
repent, like you said, you know, go to communion, get your sins forgiven. You're going to feel so much better. I'm like, yeah, I see how it's, you know, when I feel like I've done something, I might say I'm sorry to my husband, but do I have to feel sorry for being human all the time? You know, I don't know. You know, like just in general, that I'm in the sin condition state. I was born a sinner. I was going to be a sinner. I'm going to die a sinner. You know, now my son died by suicide. I really had to question that belief, you know, because he was a perfectionist. He was a straight A student. He had everything going for him. Why did he die by suicide? I thought about the church stuff. I was like, he probably didn't feel good enough for one thing. Like we're constantly pounding it in our head how sinful we are. You know, I mean, how can you, I, I just, that did not, after that happened, that didn't sit well with me anymore to listen to that message. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really interesting to hear us talk and share and compare our stories of being raised in the church and thinking about like, oh, these are really just beliefs, thoughts that we've had for a very long time that we are now questioning, challenging, undoing, unwinding and all of that stuff. And so I guess the the big question that lingers for me is if someone is listening to this and they're like, I'm in a place where I want to question some of these beliefs that I was raised with, what do you think the first step might be? Right. I mean, I think, I mean, this is what I'm thinking is that sometimes it can be scary even to question your beliefs because you're like, oh no. <laughs> something bad's going to happen. And it can feel like there's nobody to talk to about it. So I think finding somebody safe to just talk to about it, just to allow yourself to talk about it, I think is really important because I can't find anybody who I think of. A a few friends called me out in the last few months and said, where have you been? You know, and they went to dinner with me and they really wanted to know why I'm not in church. And then that created a conversation, but it wasn't a safe conversation. Afterwards, I think about what they wanted to do was argue (laughs) and tell me you need to come, you know, no, that's not right. So it's not a safe conversation sometimes within family or friends that are in the church that you're trying to like question the beliefs about. That's what I've determined. But I am so grateful. I have life coach friends. (laughs) And so you know, this, it's amazing, right? Because we can hold space for each other to have honest conversations. And we can just say what we are, what we feel. It's amazing, you know, without people getting defensive, right? That's what happens. They get defensive. So this is why I'm holding off having a conversation with my parents and my sister who are very deep in and believe whatever deeply. I'm like, first of all, I need to like disconnect myself from the idea that there's, I have an expected outcome for them. There is no expectation. I need to say what I need to say. And there's no defensiveness. Nobody, you know, I'm not going to fight about it. So I'm kind of trying to work through that right now. But I think it's important to just realize for people that other people feel the same way you do, but they don't want to talk about it either. Like, right. It's like, if you knew who the safe people were, that'd be great. (laughs) But sometimes you don't know, you have to go find therapists, coaches, you know, people who are willing to allow you to just talk, you know? Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you and I are trying to cultivate is safe spaces for people to just be themselves and, and talk about what, what's going on for them so that they can decide for themselves in that supported place what is right for them. 
Is it, does it look like I have a halo around me or something right now? It, <laughs> it does. Whoops. I didn't yeah. even notice in my camera. No, it actually well. <laughs> came when you started talking about your son. Oh, that's so fascinating. Maybe he's here <laughs> coming in through the window. Okay. Turn it a little bit that way there. Now you can see me. Yeah. So I, I guess I, we can always have another part of this conversation, but like, what is it, Tavana? Let's just each talk about what we do a little bit before we end this conversation. So what is it that you are cultivating? What's in your community or what are you offering for women? Well, yeah, a couple of things. One, I just really am starting a lot of conversations around what it means to be a woman in, in business, in the, the business of coaching, in, in doing online business, um, because I think we have plenty of spaces for us to talk about the business of coaching in terms of marketing, sales and visibility and thus and so forth. But we don't really get to talk about the the other aspects of what it really means to be the person who's running the business, because that affects us when we are the face of the brand and the business and we are solopreneurs you can't really separate life and business. So within the coaching and conversations community, I want to have more conversations like this, like, okay, if you're, you're feeling some kind of way about your religion and it's affecting your ability to be able to, to run your business because you, you don't feel like you have somewhere to, to talk about that, then there's a space for you. If you want to start that conversation and, and be held and heard without judgment. The in terms of what I my specialty is, I'm a business coach with a specialty in launching. And for me, that is also really a mission based specialty, because I think there are people who want to get their message out to way more people than they have access to right now. And whenever you try to do something big like a launch, it will bring up your shit. And a lot of trauma and a lot of thoughts and a lot of fears and all of those kinds of things. And so it, in that space, I just really want to help people who want to do business in a bigger way, be able to do it without being so triggered and do it in a way that feels safe and supported and aligned for them. So that's, that's what I'm up to. Just teaching awesome. launches a simple and stress-free way. <laughs> yeah. And so in my podcast show notes, I will have a link to your I think you sent me a link, so I'll put it in the podcast show notes. And then to wrap this up, I am obviously my work has to do with human design. So, but what I'm finding right now is I'm really researching again, I'm in the research mode about how does our human design relate to religion and how some of us get really, because I've talked to other women who, even if they did grow up in a very, I would say my daughter is similar. She's only 23 and she was very courageous about just at 17 saying, no, I don't believe in that. And I, and off she went by her own. And I'm like, wait, why didn't I do that when I was 17? I'm really curious, you know, where is it that it shows how we might get like, even be more open to being conditioned and just, well, for instance, line fours, right? So there's several things. So I'm bringing in 2022, I want there to be more conversation with me and other people about religion. And I, I'm probably, and somebody gave me this idea, a projector told me, you should form a community on YouTube. I'm like, anyways, so I'm going to probably have a YouTube channel that's more focused on human design and religion. It's like the focus of it, which will be fun. <laughs> this is going to bring together all these things. Yeah. I'm really interested in doing that. So 
but right now, you know, my work is in human, I do human design readings and I also now do quantum alignment sessions. So, you know, tapping with human design <laughs> so that we can release some of this stuff. <laughs> um, this is new for me right now because I just got certified in, in human design tapping. It's called, called quantum alignment session. But yeah, so I'm excited to 2022, I think is just going to be a major big change again for me. Every year I say this <laughs> and it really happens every year. Like we all get to a new place, right? <laughs> So yeah, that's what I'm offering. So I'm going to, in the show notes, put that stuff. So thank you so much, Tavana. I hope that this was helpful for your audience too. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please go subscribe so that you get notified of all the future goodies that are coming along. While you're there, please leave me a review and let me know what you think. So excited to share this with you and can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye.